a lot of us have done it, or at least thought about it. Fudging a diagnosis on a patient's chart or emphasizing their symptoms so to protect them from their insurance company or to get benefits for them. But is it right and is it ethical? You're listening to Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Jim King, the newly elected president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Welcome, Jim. Hi. Let's go back and talk about this subject. We're talking about the overwhelming ethical dilemma of if you put certain diagnoses down, patients get penalized. What are we going to do about this in the future? Can we ever just stand up and say, we're angry and we're just not going to take this anymore and all go on strike? I don't know if we can all go on strike, but there's definitely things that at least the American Academy of Family Physicians are doing. We meet twice a year with all the major insurance companies and to talk about the different problems that are brought forward by our members, both in payment and the hoops that they have to jump through, but also some of the loss of care and the damage that's done to our patients based on some of the policies. Sometimes we have some positive results. A lot of times we don't. So what we have to do is to continue to work with the insurance companies and try to solve the problems there. And also, I think, educate our patients. Our patients need to be involved in this as well, because if you can't get the help you need at the insurance companies, if we have to go to the government and elected officials, then they're going to respond more to the public than they are to us. So we're kind of having an ethical crisis here. I have an article from Family Practice Management. It says a physician sidestep health plan rules to help patients receive care. A sizable minority of physicians say they have manipulated information given to insurance plans to ensure that their patients receive the care they deem necessary, published April 12th in the Journal of the AMA. What do we think about this? Where, where are we going ethically with this? You know. Well, the physicians are placed between a rock and a hard place. When they're having to make a decision on in taking care of their patient, making sure they're getting the quality care they need, either the test, the hospitalization, or the medications that they feel is important for them to do, and meet the criteria that the insurance companies have established so that they can get that care. You know, the Academy of Family Physicians, our academy feels very strongly that we are ethical people. Physicians are, and we must be truthful. We must say what we know. But at the same time, as you work with that, you start trying to understand the language of the insurance companies so that you stay inside those ethical guidelines. And I think a lot of times I I don't know that particular article to know exactly how the questions were worded because it makes a difference when someone says I might have exaggerated on this or I might have expanded the symptoms or something. I'm not... Well, here's here's what it is. 39% of the 720 physicians participating in the study said they had used at least one of the following tactics sometimes or more often in the last year. Exaggerating the severity of patients' conditions to help them avoid early hospital discharge, that was 28%. Changing patients' official billing diagnoses or recording signs or symptoms patients do not actually have to help them secure coverage for needed care, that's 10%. And physicians who use these tactics were more likely to agree that, quote, gaming the system is necessary to provide high-quality care today, and were more likely to have received such requests from patients. That's definitely a problem that physicians feel they have to do that. Sure, it really is. And, uh, and to place them in a situation where they feel like they have to make those type decisions. In my own personal practice, and the way I feel, you have to have an extra talk with your patients. You have to tell them, and I do that on a regular basis, based on your symptoms, based on what we've got going right now, I don't think this is going to be covered. And then I have to make the decision whether I recommend a test being done or a treatment being done. 
and hopefully educating them enough that they can decide whether they're going to pay out of pocket, whether we're not going to do it, or hopefully have to do whatever evaluation to come to the point that it can be covered by the insurance company. And we get pressure from patients, too. I I, I get repeatedly requests like, well, could you write my mother's name on this prescription because she has coverage and I don't? And my answer on that has always been to look at the patient and say, hey, if I would lie for you, don't you think I'd lie to you? And would you ever trust a doctor who would do that besides the fact that it's fraud? I won't do it. But the pressure's there all the time. I have the same pressure. And I respond similarly the same way. I have to explain to the patient that I'm not going to commit fraud. My medical license means too much to me, and I've got to support my family. At the same time, you're right. that The patient, if they expect you to be able to do that, thank goodness it's usually you know, the minority of patients that ask that. But of course. But it, it is a dilemma that we're placed in under the way a lot of the insurance companies function today. Well, part of it, too, is that, in my opinion, the public doesn't think they should be paying anything for their health care. They think that insurance should cover everything, and maybe we need to educate them in, on this. I think we need to, but also their, their employer or whoever has their insurance coverage. I mean, I run into that problem on a regular basis that the employer provides the insurance, they've negotiated the $1,000 deductible or, or the, this limited service or that limited service and then not explain that to the patient. And then they come feeling like they're entitled, based on their insurance, all the health care that you can provide. And it does take extra time. It takes time away from providing them with the care that you want it to do. Jim, how do you think this is going to work out You know, in the future? It's only getting worse. Doctors are getting swamped by all this extra paperwork. I, I get a headache at the end of the day and writer's cramp from all the papers that I shouldn't have to do. You know, Where, where do we make some ethical decisions here? When is it going to work out or how? You know, we have an election next year. And I really think health care and health insurance is going to be the number two issue on that agenda. So I do think physicians need to get involved, that maybe we can make a difference in the process, bringing a lot of the problems forward. I think that it's going to come down to the physicians and patients together saying that enough's enough. We've got to do something different to make sure that you're getting the quality care. Patients are getting the quality care that they deserve, and we're spending the appropriate time doing the right things instead of spending so much time on needless paperwork that doesn't improve that care for the patients. Should we make our patients and the public aware of this and talk to them about it? Should maybe the associations like yours or, or the AMA start to do some publications that we can hand out to patients to say, join us in partnership and let's get this message to the politicians? With other issues, that both organizations have done the same. That We all realize now that our patients are advocates both for themselves and for us and that we need to inform them. They need to be educated in how health insurance works, how their particular health insurance plans work, and the things that can be changed to make it better. So I do think that organizations should work with their members in trying to educate the patients and the public about these problems and concerns that are leading them to have inferior health care, what they need to have. Well, just personally, and I don't want to stick you on the spot here, but because you're representing an organization, how do you think we got here? Do you think that as a profession we sold out or just were ignoring what was going on? Or how do we get into this mess? I think the whole thing of it is, is even though we do have 47 million uninsured, and that's a shame, 83% of the people are insured. Most of those people uh, are employed or, by, or through Medicare or Medicaid through the government. And so that all of our checks now come from another source instead of the patient. We're paid from that source. And because of the increased cost of health care due to technology and all the things that are going on, those payers of health care want to control those costs. So they're looking at methods and ways that they can control cost. 
which is leading to more and more documentation by the physicians to those paying organizations and groups that have walked us down this road of gradually to the point now that we do almost more paperwork than we do management of health care problems with our patients. Things can change. We can work with them if they're willing to work with us on trying to come up with something that truly makes sense, something that will improve the quality of health care for our patients and get us back into the exam rooms where we belong. Well, how does the individual do that? For instance, in my case, I deal with, uh, I will not mention the insurance company, but if I have a patient with multiple dysplastic nevi that need to come off, their limit is four. I can take off four lesions. If I see six possible melanomas, it's got to be done in two visits, and patients get very upset with that. And I've called the insurance company multiple times, and they, their answer was, and I said, patients to come back twice and put them at risk. Their answer literally over the phone was, we don't care. And I have patients who work for that insurance company inside, and they've told me, you can write all the letters you want. They're going to get trashed, and nobody's going to do anything about this. How can I, as an individual, do this, or do I just tell my patients that's the way it is? I think the answer your first part is you will have to tell your patients that's the way it is and continue to do that to make sure that your patient gets coverage because you're either going to take off two more lesions and not get paid for it or the patient's going to have to pay for those two lesions out of their own pocket instead of for the, using the insurance that they've paid for. I think getting and working with your academy or your organizations, numbers do make a difference. We've got 94,000 family physicians that are a member of our academy. We've got an ongoing process of trying to change primary care right now and more into the, what's called the patient-centered medical home to look at methods of paying primary care physicians more appropriately for the care we render. And what we've done is joined up with the internists, the pediatricians, the osteopathic physicians, and now we represent almost 330,000 physicians across the United States. That large enough number, all of a sudden we are getting some leverage. People are starting to understand. They realize there's a large enough group. The second thing that we've done that's really made a big difference is realize that the insurance companies are writing your checks, but it's not their money. We've gone directly to the business community, the large business owners like IBM and Walmart and other people that pay, insurance, pay for this insurance and tell them that there's a better way of doing this. You've got to understand that. And we're starting to get some leverage as we go talk to a business community about how to change for their employees to keep their employees at work more. Because in your particular case, they're two days out of work even if the patient was willing to do it. It's hurting the employer while he's gone on the patient's in your office twice when you could have done it very easily on one visit. And all of a sudden, the people that are writing the checks for the insurance company start saying, you need to do this different. We're starting to see a little traction. There is a little glimmer of light at the end of this tunnel to show that maybe some things, if we can join with the business community and those people that are writing the checks, and say, we can do this better and get the insurance companies to follow suit. Well, can we do that on an individual basis? Is it ethical for me to tell a patient, listen, your insurance company is not the best one to deal with and go back to the HR people at your your company, and if they can make a change, tell them to change. Can we do that? I think that's, I think that's an ethical condition. I have to do that on a regular basis because it's a different problem than what we're discussing, but um, many industries change their insurance company on a yearly basis, and most of the time it's on cost. We don't participate in every insurance plan that's out there. So I tell my patients on a regular basis, here's from this choice, tell me what your choices are, and these are the ones we participate in that we can be able to work with you and continue to give you the continuity of care that you need. So I think that there's no problem with explaining that 
you know, this is a better insurance company for, from my standpoint, and, and give them reasons why. How about we say this is a better insurance company from your standpoint? And your standpoint is what? Well, that's the same thing. This one offers you better service. I have to do that on a regular basis. With a Medicare drug benefit plan that came into existence and all the different plans, I had to sit down with all of my Medicare patients and go over their medication list, which plan was best for them, which one was the easiest to work with for them, and then make suggestions is strictly on, you know, what was best for the patient. So I, I think that's definitely something that is almost a responsibility for us to do, much less something that we should or shouldn't do. So there are things we can do, and there is hope for the future, and you guys are helping to work on that. We sure are. Well, thank you, Jim. Thanks for being our guest today and discussing this kind of touchy ethical subject about fudging diagnoses so patients don't lose insurance benefits or can get their benefits. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire fabulous program library. And we thank you for listening.